Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account, and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Now, sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to episode 168 of the Aligned Women Podcast. In today's episode, I'm bringing you the final interview of this series that you've been hearing over the last few weeks of interviews that I um, did last summer in 2019 that were originally planned for a new podcast that I realized in short was a really bad idea, (laughs) which you may have heard me talk more about at length in a previous episode recently. I think it was episode 163-ish, 164, somewhere around there. So yes. So today I'm talking to Dr. Carly Crew. She's an MD in family practice in Canada, and she also serves as an anxiety coach for moms. She shares her story of how after struggling with high-functioning anxiety herself, especially after her twin daughters were born a few years ago, and seeing how many women were coming into her practice who were also struggling with postpartum anxiety, she was drawn to coaching. Um, Dr. Carly describes why she took a coach training program after she realized that she wanted to be able to facilitate deeper levels of connection and guidance than what she could offer as an MD in her practice. So we dive into how we both experienced postpartum anxiety, but despite being clinically educated, we weren't able to recognize that what we were experiencing at that time really deserved professional support. And we also discuss what I would refer to now as the normalization of maternal anxiety. Not to say that that's a new thing whatsoever, just kind of me having a new word or new phrase to apply to the set of circumstances and symptoms, if you will. Symptoms, not necessarily in the individual, but in our society and in our culture. You'll hear Dr. Carly and I discuss how and why so many healthcare professionals are struggling with chronic autoimmune issues as well, and and a little bit of what to do about that. But really, that's more outside of the scope of this conversation today. So yes, we're going to talk about postpartum anxiety. Yes, this is oftentimes a hard topic to hear about. And if you're in the midst of experiencing postpartum anxiety, maternal anxiety, or just anxiety, period, you might really appreciate what you hear in this episode, and it might also trigger you. I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, what phase of life, what phase of practice you're in, if you are struggling, reach out for support. As you'll hear in this episode, despite how full of anxiety I was in the very early postpartum period, Nobody in my life who I spent a lot of time with, like my husband, my mom, who I saw every day, nobody said, you know, you should have some kind of support. (laughs) Like you need some support with managing this, the managing the way that you're feeling. Nobody said that. And now maybe no one knew how much I was struggling. Maybe I was doing a really good job of keeping it internalized, 
Maybe not. Maybe they just, they didn't have the words. Maybe they didn't recognize the symptoms or the signs. Here's the bottom line. When I say normalization of anxiety, I really mean normalization of anxiety. You'll hear me talk in this episode about how there was one particular work day in 2019 where every chiropractor that I talked to for a coaching session that day literally said, I just had labs done and I have Hashimoto's or some other kind of chronic autoimmune condition. And I was kind of processing what that means and how, you know, those autoimmune conditions often arise from chronic stress. Well, here I am now a year later and I'm like, well, really practically every chiropractor that I talk to in a one-to-one coaching situation tells me the same thing. They're overwhelmed and they're overwhelmed, not just like some of the time, in many cases, most of the time, and in some cases, all of the time, all of the time. So this might be the litmus, litmus test for you as you listen to this episode today and you hear this conversation around anxiety. You might think this doesn't apply to you, or you might be wondering if it does apply to you, or maybe you're just feeling like, no, this is not me. I'm not accepting that label. How often do you feel overwhelmed? How often do you feel overwhelmed? And if you're like the majority of chiropractors or other hands-on practitioners that I speak to on a regular basis, the answer is going to be most of the time or all the time. Reach out for support. Okay, so I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you dive into the interview with Dr. Carly. Here we go. All right, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Self-Care is Healthcare podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Carly Crew. Dr. Carly was introduced to me by my friend, Beth Westy. Some of you that listen to the show may know Dr. Beth. She's a great connector, so I was excited to meet Carly. She is an MD in Canada. I'll let you get, get us started by sharing more about yourself and your family and what you do. Awesome. Well, thanks, Danielle. I'm really excited to be here. And again, thank you so much to Dr. Beth Westy for connecting us. Yeah, as you said, I am a family doctor and I live in rural Alberta. So in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in a town of about 2,500 people. And I'm also a mom to twin two-year-old girls and an anxiety coach for moms. My main area of work that I love to do with women is helping them, moms specifically, but women in general, overcome their struggles with anxiety, feeling overwhelmed all the time, And a big focus of my interest is helping women become a bit more assertive and speak up for themselves. So I just started doing this work earlier this year in January, and then it's really started to take off in the last month or so. I've been working with an amazing coach myself, and so she's been passing on lots of wisdom for me. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here and talk a little bit more with you, Danielle, about all those things. I would love for you to share more about how you decided to start this new venture coaching. I know a lot of physicians that want to or are interested in taking some of their work online. And for us as chiropractors, well, I say us as chiropractors, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast are not chiropractors. So excuse me. It's just like (laughs) for the last four years, I've talked to chiropractors, but for the chiropractors listening to the show who are interested in starting an online business, something that we hear from other people, it's like, how do you adjust people online? And I'm like, that's actually, it's not that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anyway, I would love to hear more from you, from your perspective about what got you interested in this new offering and this new way of helping people. Yeah, that's a great question. 
So I would say that I've kind of struggled with a little bit of um, what I call high functioning anxiety most of my life. And up until, you know, it got me through medical school really well. It got me through all my training really well. And up until motherhood, I thought it was more or less under control, right? And then motherhood comes along and it's a whirlwind. And postpartum, I developed very severe postpartum anxiety and depression. And at the time I was practicing, because it's only two years ago, and had taken some time off work and had had all the training in mental illness and what it looks like and how to diagnose it and treat it and all these things. But when it came to myself struggling with it, one, I didn't see the signs of how severe it was. And two, I felt all of a sudden kind of like a fish out of water trying to treat myself. So I eventually, after a process, went through, you know, getting some support through a therapist. I eventually went, ended up going on medications and I started to do a lot of digging on how I could develop strategies to handle this on a lifelong basis because I understood at that point that likely my anxiety wasn't going to go away. And as motherhood, as, as mothers, we can attest to the fact that it never goes away, especially when you see your kids, right? You're always going to worry and have those worries and things. So fast forward to me going back to work and having crippling anxiety, returning to the workforce as a new mom and balancing that, right? And I started to see women. It's almost like the universe brings you what you need to see, right? And so I started to have all these other young moms booking in with me and talking about a lot of the things that I had been struggling with. And at that point, I really started to dive into how could I help myself and how could I help these women with strategies that would be helpful practical and sustainable so that they could overcome the same struggles that I was having. So within, you know, I would say six months to a year, usually about 50%, if not more of my appointments in my clinic days were these mums coming in and visiting with me and more so in a coaching and supportive environment rather than come and put me on medications for my mood disorder. It was like, come and let me check in with you because this is what I'm struggling with now and how can you help me? I actually had a really, really good friend at the time who had walked through my experience with me and she had her own challenges, say something along the lines of, you should do this more. You're a life coach. You're just like a life coach for me. Like you should do this more. You're really good at it. And at the time it wasn't like from a perspective of like, oh yeah, let's do this because I can make money on it or anything. I, I was actually just drawn to the idea of, yeah, that's a different kind of thing that I hadn't really explored before coaching. And what does that look like? And how does that differ from what I do now in the office? So of course I started doing a bit of digging and researched, you know, hundreds of coaching programs and tried to figure out what was the difference between coaching and what I was doing in the office. And I learned that there were these really beautiful critical differences. And when I explored into coaching more and eventually started my training, I realized that the field of coaching offered me a way to interact and help women in a very, I would say future focused or action focused way. And it was essentially what I was doing unknowingly in the office at those visits, right? Like saying, where are we at right now? Where are we trying to go? And how can we work together so you can develop strategies to get there? You know, how can we undo some of the thinking that you're having to make some true change in your life? So fast forward a little bit more, I started taking this coaching training and I really loved it. And I loved seeing the differences in working with people on the same problems, but from a completely different approach. And I really loved it. I've realized that I love my job. I'm very blessed. I really love my job in medicine, but coaching is a different kind of level. It's a deeper relationship that you can have with people. And I've been so lucky to have ladies that are willing to kind of go on that journey with me. So that's kind of the long and short of how I got into coaching and then started to take that online because I had, I have lots of local clients that I work with, but I felt that I could reach more women if I took this business online. And so I've been working privately 
with clients now. And I'm just actually actively launching my first group coaching program, which I'm really excited about to see if I can, you know, expand my reach and just get this message out to more people. I feel like so much of maternal mental health, I say postpartum mental health, but really, I really help with maternal mental health because I think if you don't resolve issues that are going on at the birth of your child, you'll have them again in five, 10 years, right? When your kids are older. So I really try to focus on maternal mental health and I feel like there's just not enough support in that area from healthcare professionals specifically and who have the experience of knowing what it feels like. I really relate to your story. I know for myself, when I had my first daughter, especially when I went back to work, I felt a lot of anxiety. And like you, I didn't recognize the signs in myself that the amount or the level of anxiety that I was feeling wasn't healthy. It wasn't even normal. And I just thought like, crap, motherhood is a lot more crazy than what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt every time I left my daughter that it was like I was taking a limb off of my body and leaving it. And that if I didn't hurry up and do the thing I needed to do, even if that meant going to work and get back to the limb, it would never reattach. And that sounds perhaps kind of crazy, but that's like the heightened sense of, oh my gosh, that I had inside of me all the time that I was away from her. And when I went back to work, my mom was our childcare provider. She was our babysitter, if you will. And even leaving my baby with my mom, I still felt immense anxiety. And it was only probably five or six years later that I was able to look back on that time period and recognize, oh, what what I was experiencing, that was not Not normal. Actually not normal. But there was nobody in my life at that time not my husband, not my mom, who either recognized what I was experiencing or had maybe the skills, let's say, to be able to say to me, you need some support. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's beyond what they could offer me. Absolutely. There's so so much of what you just said that I agree with, right? I remember thinking to myself, this must be just what motherhood looks like. This is (laughs) just what it is. And then the anxiety would follow up closely with, And if that's the case, I can't hack this. Like this, I'm not made for this, right? And so many of us unknowingly go through those experiences and you're right. And I don't mean to speak badly of my own profession by any stretch or any helping profession, but sometimes even in society, there's a mentality or a perspective that anxiety and motherhood go together, right? Mm -hmm. And to to a point that is true, right? As soon as you birth of this, you know, being into the world that you're solely, you feel solely responsible for, of course, you're going to be stressed about it. Right. But that line between adaptive maternal anxiety that is going to be necessary to our, you know, adaptation to this new role versus the maladaptive or the unhealthy levels of anxiety that we can tip into, right. Especially if you've had a predisposing, you know, anxiety disorder or any kind of mental illness or nothing, right. You don't have to have a predisposing mental illness in order to develop postpartum mood sort of our maternal mental illness. And like I was saying, I don't mean to speak badly of my profession or any helping professions, but it's often the perspective that like, that's just what everyone has, right? I remember asking one of my like dearest colleagues, this was before I even had kids, but now it sounds, I remember it. And, and I asked him, have you ever had a mother who's dealing with, you know, constant irrational thoughts where she's worried she has obsessive compulsive disorder? Or have you dealt with OCD in the postpartum period? And he said, don't they all have OCD in the postpartum period? 
<sighs> right? And yeah. I don't think, I truly don't think it was intended like insensitively. I think it was more like, no, everybody does. That's just what you have. And that messaging, I think is really damaging for moms, you know, because then we get lost kind of in a sea where everyone has anxiety. And that's what I struggle with with some of the ladies that reach out to me. They're like, well, yeah, like, I really like what you do, but everyone has anxiety, right? And I'm like, okay, but your experience does not get washed away by the fact that we're all talking about mental illness more, right? Like, it's still as important, your experience. Yes, a lot of people have anxiety, and thankfully, mental illness is being spoken about a lot more now in social media and in the public and that, but it doesn't discount that it's still very serious, and it can still very much impact your health and the health of your family, so I guess in a nutshell, that's why I'm doing this too, is to, is to broaden the awareness that maternity or postpartum period and being a mother and having mental illness should not go together. That's not normal. Right. They, they don't have to. They don't have to. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to hear more from you about your perspective on if you see this type of anxiety in women who are not just mothers, but who are also in healthcare or helping professions at a different level than maybe perhaps people that are not. What are your thoughts about that? So I think when we come into a healthy helping profession, sometimes similar to coaching profession, actually, the messaging is almost that if you're helping others, you should kind of have it all together, right? right? You shouldn't be struggling, (laughs) right? And I remember like how many of us and probably in women, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but have that terrible imposter syndrome of like, if I can't even get my own crap together, how am I supposed to be helping you get your crap together? Right. And sometimes I still even have those moments where I'm like, I'm supposed to be coaching people on this and I am losing it right now. Right. And so I think that that can happen a lot in healthcare professionals and especially in women, any of us who are like super perfectionistic or, you know, have very black and white thinking, I like have my crap together. And then if I have one tiny mistake, I do not have my crap together, right? Like that really black and white thinking, I feel like runs a lot of in helping professions as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that answers your question. I kind of... It does. I think, you know, I'm asking mostly because over the last few days in particular, but for several weeks, I've been... I've been talking with more and more women who are diving into their own health and why they're, they might be five or 10 years, even postpartum, but they're feeling like they can't get enough sleep and that they're gaining weight, even though they're doing all the right things. And as they dive into some like functional lab testing, they're finding autoimmune conditions going Mm -hmm. on. And I just sat down with my husband last night and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, Seriously, every woman I talked to today has recently had lab work that has shown that she's got a chronic autoimmune condition going on. Hmm. And you know what? Stress is a huge contributor to all of this. Huge. Huge. <laughs> and yet we beat ourselves up for being in this in this place where we have some chronic health issues in air quotes, we're not supposed to have the chronic health issues because we help other people with their health issues <laughs> and helping the people with their health issues is what has contributed to our high level of stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's a catch 22 almost. So I don't know the answer to this. I just mm-hmm. have really been like the universe has been showing me more and more over the last few days, like pay attention to this yeah. because literally every woman I talked to yesterday said the same thing. I had labs recently. The lab showed I have Hashimoto's. My thyroid levels are low. I'm constantly tired. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm listening. 
it's almost like, I mean, I come obviously from a allopathic, like Western school of medicine. And so I don't, I, and when I spoke to Beth too, I said, you know, like, I do not propose to know very much about it. I don't discount it. I believe that truly in hundred percent of my being that there's probably no school of, you know, helping profession that knows everything and can have all the answers for everything because our bodies are so incredibly complex. And the connections are so incredibly complex. But what I can say that runs and hopefully will become more and more and more prevalent in both specifically Western medicine is this connection between the fact that what we do in our lives and how our relationships are and the professions that we take on and the boundaries that we set and our community, that all impacts our health, right? So much, which is exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's like, I say this to patients all the time who come to me with a lot of anxiety, but their main presenting things are my neck and my back pain is really bad lately. And once I've you know seen them multiple times, I'm like, hey, what's happening in your life right now? Because a lot of the times it's their stress and their anxiety manifesting in these physical ways. Like our body only has so many languages to speak, right? Mm-hmm. To tell us that something's not right here. You're not taking care of me or I'm not being taken care of properly. It's like pain. It's manifestations of these illnesses, right? It's like our bodies are trying so desperately to tell us, please make some changes. Please take care of me. Which is why when you said, oh, it's the self-care is healthcare podcast. I'm like, girl, that is my jam. I'm all over that, right? (laughs) And I preach self-care too, like constantly to everyone, you know? And that's my second question. What's happening in your life right now? And what does your self-care look like right now? And people look at me like, what are you talking about, right? I think it's so vital and our bodies, like you said, are telling us essentially that we don't have the answers, but they're giving us signs that we need to make some changes in our lives, right? To make sure they're healthy. Yes. And I used the analogy yesterday of eating a cookie when you're on a weight loss program. Like let's picture this as a really big double chocolate chocolate chunk cookie that's not gluten-free and and the chocolate chips have dairy in them (laughs) and that thing is sitting in front of you just calling your name but your your intention is to be compliant with this weight loss program and you're like I'm just going to eat this cookie and I'll deal with the rest later right and so we eat Mm -hmm. this cookie and then we do have like the consequences maybe you don't feel well or maybe you know it just sets you back on your weight loss program. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lot of times how we look at boundaries or not Mm -hmm. setting boundaries in our lives. Like, well, this time I'll just do what feels easiest. I'll not say anything about this thing that really crossed Mm -hmm. the line for me. And then I'll have to deal with that later, but I'll have to deal with it later, not now. So let's Mm -hmm. just do what's easy right now. I'm far from perfect at this. Trust me, I'm far from perfect. But it's just, again, another thing that has really been coming up in a lot of conversations lately, especially when it comes to self-care, that self-care doesn't have to be having a massage and getting your mani-pedi. Like for me, it's really much more about first and foremost, making sure that I have enough time by myself. 100%. I have to be very intentional about when I work from home, I have homeschooled kids. There's four kids total and my husband And plus homeschooled kids across the street, our sitter has a homeschool. Like, so there's constantly people in our home, which I love, but I also have to have time away from all of them Mm -hmm. to recharge. And then secondly, Mm -hmm. it is being very honest with the people that I need to be honest about or with about things that are really actually not okay with me. Mm -hmm. And in the past, I would say, no big deal. I'm going to just ignore it. And the more I've done that, the more I realize that it does manifest for me in physical ways. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I've seen similar connections, to be honest, in, in my work, because probably 75% of ladies who come to me with their anxiety, after we've worked together for four to six weeks, we start to get to the root of, or at least their root or one of the roots, because there's so many, but the root of the anxiety is kind of a lot of chronic people pleasing and avoiding conflict and not being able to set boundaries assertively. Mm -hmm. And this is by far not a new concept. I'm pretty sure there was a researcher in like, I don't know, the 70s or something who did research on assertiveness. And that's why assertiveness training exists, saying that assertiveness and anxiety cannot exist in the same place. Like they're just in the same person kind of thing. Because assertiveness is, you know, both the mindset and the communication style that puts you in complete control, quote unquote, right? Of, you know, your own emotional experience in that somebody can say or do something, but you're completely in charge of how your reaction is to it. More often assertiveness for women is that they don't know how to communicate to others what they need, or they're not, either they don't know how, or it's terrifying to them, which is the majority because they're terrified of conflict. And there's a really interesting link between anxiety and passive behavior. And I'll try to summarize it as clearly as possible, but anytime there's a disconnect in an emotional, in a you know, relationship or a discussion when, so Danielle, you ask me to do something or you say something to me that, like you said, that's not okay with me, right? That immediate moment causes anxiety. Our anxiety system is like our protector, right? And so it causes this fight or flight mechanism to be activated. So as soon as you have that anxiety and this could be happening in any social situation, especially if you have social anxiety, but your anxiety gets triggered. And then your anxiety is like a very basic system, right? It's very primitive. It has like, some would say two oper- modes of operation. Some would say three, fight or flight, right? And the third one, if you, right, is freeze. Mm-hmm. And so all of us can probably speak to the fact that when we've frozen in a moment like that, when something happens and you're just like, didn't know what to say, that you walk away, you're like, oh, I should have said, you know, right? And what happens when that fight or flight mechanism kicks in is one, it has two methods of operation, but two, it takes off our like, you know, smarter brain, our executive functioning brain that can actually come up with the great phrases to use in that moment and be super assertive, right? That goes like, pew, offline. We flip our lid, right? If you've ever heard that terminology, you've flipped your lid. You don't have that functioning brain executive online anymore. Yeah. Anyways, so when you go fight or flight, that kind of dictates how you communicate in that moment. And not always, but more often a masculine communication style is to go towards the fight mechanism, right? So they become aggressive, they put their foot down, they yell, they, you know, do whatever. Not most natural for women, but it does happen. Whereas I would say 90% of women, we tend to and have been socially conditioned to go down this flight pathway, which immediately tells us to avoid conflict and comply, don't ruffle feathers, all those sorts of things, right? Yes. And so then we behave passively. We, we don't speak up for ourselves because it's more comfortable for us to avoid conflict. And so this becomes a very conditioned response. If you have anxiety, you behave passively, the conflict reduces and your anxiety goes down, right? And this happens more or less our whole lives, especially as women, right? So like for myself, it was like 30 years, well, not 30, you know, whenever you start speaking and learn how to be passive, you know, 20 years of unprogramming or deprogramming this super tightly wound system that has taught us this is how you stay alive that's what anxiety is i need to keep you alive i need to keep you safe so i'm going to make sure that you behave in ways that keep you safe right so i speak about that because for lots of different reasons one women often feel like oh i'm just so terrible i'm such a people pleaser i can never speak up for myself and then they feel bad about it which it's not really your fault right it's that we've been conditioned to be this way And two, this is like a deep, deep seated evolutionary thing. Like our anxiety is like a vestigial organ, like the appendix that has no function, right? It's like, 
although it does have a function, but it's kind of like a remnant from days when, you know, our lives were fraught with threats around every corner, right? Like, don't leave your cave, you could get eaten. Like, you needed anxiety at that moment to keep you alive. Whereas now we've like, you know, come to this time in our lives where most of us, if we're, you know, we're very lucky that we don't live with constant threats to our safety, but our brains haven't really caught up. Like we're working on this like really primitive operating system in this quite advanced environment. So more so to just take the blame off of women who feel this way, because I feel like education is really how we can make them move past that. And then a whole lot of practice. And it's very uncomfortable to deprogram that. It's very uncomfortable and it's terrifying to become more assertive. But the way I see it is like, you're either going to be uncomfortable all the time because you behave passively, you get anger, resentment, those like, I build up, I'm quiet for days and then I build up and I blow up, right? You get that discomfort or you get this discomfort of learning how to become more assertive and taking more control and you kind of have to decide which one you want. And that's going back to that moment of I'll do what's easy now. I'll avoid the discomfort now, but deal with the consequences later. Yeah. Right. I'll eat the cookie now. Yeah. I'll eat the cookie now and I'll just comply with, you know, my mother-in-law saying that to me and not speak up. And then I'll deal with my anger and my resentment and my, you know, all this stuff later. I'll deal with that later. Right. Very similar. Yeah. Thank you for sharing some more of the the science behind this because it really satisfies my nerdy (laughs) science brain. And I know a lot of the women in my community, they're the same way. Like we have these hippie hearts and these nerdy brains. And so we love to, you know, hear things that blend the two and learn things that, that validate. We can coexist with both of these parts of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's understanding that too, that allows you to have the confidence in, okay, if this is just a process, if I can have this process explained to me of why this happens, okay, I can handle that. Right. It's, it just kind of makes it a little bit clearer on mm-hmm. the steps to improve or, or change. I would love to hear more from you about how you delineate while we're talking about boundaries, how you delineate what you do in your practice as an, as an MD and what you do as a coach with your clients. And, and if there are times that come up where you find yourself in a gray zone of absolutely, how do I take this hat off or how do I put this hat on at the appropriate times? That's a really good question. And I think it's something that I'm constantly figuring out still. So when I work with clients, I very clearly in my contracts for one, like on the really clear side, outline exactly what coaching does not involve. So in my coaching, I do not make obviously medication adjustments, prescribe medications. I believe it's appropriate for me to, if I determine like through our coaching relationship that somebody may benefit from medications, I I will take that step to encourage them if they think it's appropriate to go and seek out a care provider for that. I obviously don't make recommendations in that context specifically, because that's usually what people ask. Also, I can't be covered by benefits from a coach, whereas like I'm covered by Alberta Healthcare in Alberta because in my work as a physician. So I do try to draw the line in what I do on a day-to-day basis. My work in the office is much more consultant-based. So if you're familiar with the difference between coaching and consulting, like a chiropractor would be very much a consultant as well, right? Somebody comes to you specifically for your expertise, you diagnose and you treat them, right? Yep. Whereas in my work as a coach, most of them are already aware of, of what they're struggling with and they think that they have some sort of anxiety. I typically use one of my first calls with them to just make sure that whatever they're struggling with is not going to be out of reach of coaching and may actually need medical intervention. So I see my dual hats kind of super useful in that way because of what I'm dealing with, right? Because I can yes. say like, oh, you know what, if you're having that severe or if you're having you know, these severe symptoms, like I actually don't think coaching would be helpful. You have to be at a point in your recovery and wellness journey that you're coachable. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you can speak to what that means, right? Like if you're so, so, so anxious that you can't leave your house and you're having agoraphobia and you're having, you know, 15 panic attacks a day, I would better serve you in the office than as a coach, because that is something I can work with more there. There's been lots of client patients, I would say, who have me as their family doctor, who I do explain to them that what I'm working with is like the kind of the context I'm working with in the office is more related to coaching but obviously don't charge those patients because they're seeing me already. We already have an established patient physician relationship. So yeah, it's kind of evolving, right? Cause I do have some patients who have approached me specifically for coaching and then they come, you know, through more like the online business Avenue and they totally understand that that's a different way to work with me. So typically to set the boundaries, I'm just very explicit on what applies in this context versus another context, right? I don't coach in the office. Like I don't book clients in the office for coaching, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Necessarily, but patients may book with me for their medication refills. And then I check in with them about their anxiety as well. Does that make sense? It sounds muddy, but to me, it's very clear. And then when I, in all of boundaries anywhere, I always just make sure they're super clear Mm -hmm. on what, you know, when I explain them to patients um, and clients. Thank you for sharing that because I know that there are a lot of women in my community, whether they're chiropractor, massage therapist, something different. They've they've been like a hands-on care provider role. They're now considering offering courses online or coaching, something different where they can reach people anywhere around the world. And they're also in this gray zone, you know, like Mm -hmm. learning, okay, how do I take what I know and apply it in this new way? What do you see for the future of your, your career specifically? Do you think that you'll always work as an MD and a coach or do you intend to do something different in the future? No, I do think it will be ongoing. I mentioned earlier that I really love my job and I love the variety it affords. I do four different types of things in my work as an MD, right? Like I work in inpatients, I deliver babies, I work in the emergency department and I have my full scale family practice and I love it. Like I truly am very passionate about my job as a physician and I'm very passionate as my jo- in my job as a coach. I would love my coaching to become maybe 60-40, you know, like 60% coaching to have a bit more flexibility to be home with my kids when they're young. I would love that. Yeah. And that's what I love about it is that it offers that flexibility But I think I'll always work as an MD. I love it too much. And where I work is amazing. My colleagues that I work with are amazing. So I really see it probably being one in the same, which is a little bit different from a lot of people who foray into online business, right? Not maybe in your community, but in a lot of, you know, the mompreneur community, they're leaving corporate America or whatever, and they're going into online business to never have to go back. And I'm super blessed, like super blessed in that I get both in a way. I really love my job. I won't leave it. It actually breaks my heart to think of leaving it. So to have both is awesome. Yes, for sure. And, you know, while it might look glamorous to have an (laughs) online business, let me tell you people, especially for those of us that are used to having a lot of face-to-face interaction, if you intend in the future to ever transition to solely working essentially behind your computer all day, Mm -hmm. even the face-to-face interaction with people is much different. You're not in the same physical space with them and it just Mm -hmm. doesn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. So while it might look like a great thing, there are definitely disadvantages to it as well that you may not be prepared for if someone hasn't told you about them ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah. And things that I was surprised about, I was actually just talking to my own coach about this last night. 
because I get almost more anxious coaching. And it's the same thing that I talk to women often or was before I took this online. It was what I did in the office all the time. But yeah. like put me behind a computer in a Zoom screen and I'm like panicking, right? So it's just really interesting. Sometimes the work that you do is not, it's, it's transferable, but like the hat you're wearing is new still, right? Like this new coaching hat, I'm like, you know, kind of panicky about it. Even though my coach is like, Carly, you do this all the time. Like all this stuff, this knowledge just rolls off your tongue. You know exactly what you're doing. And I'm like, I know, but it's different now. So that too, right? Like there's these realities of online business that you don't realize what even happened until you're in it. Mm-hmm. I feel you. I still sweat through most of my coaching sessions, <laughs> right? Yeah. Truthfully, you know, working as a chiropractor with patients because it's a pretty physical application of mm. care. Same thing. Like most of the time I would feel like I needed to take a shower at the end of a patient care shift because I'm ridiculously sweaty throughout most yeah. of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Carly, if there is someone who is listening to the show who would like to learn more about what you do and what you offer, where's the best place for her to connect with you at? So on my social media, for sure, my Instagram is Carly Crew. So just my name, it's pretty simple. And same with Facebook. And then I do have my website. And on there, I have my private coaching details and group coaching details. And it's very simple as well. It's just carlycrew.com. I'm always available. You know, we all are all our online business people when, you know, with messages and things, I'm open to answering messages over, you know, the DMs of Instagram or Facebook. I also do have a group. I'm trying to build a community kind of similar to you, Danielle, which is very new to me. And I have no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) full disclosure, but I am trying to build a community of moms who are struggling with, you know, all the things I help them with a community that's really kind of forward focused. And so that's called the anxiety proof mama group. And it's on Facebook and it's obviously a free group and I drop, you know, different, I did a live training in there last week or the week before last on how to say no without guilt, which was super cool and a lot of fun. That was the first time I had done that. So that group is also available fully open. So you can join me there and I'm pretty active in there. Awesome. Carly, thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. It's been so fun to chat with you. Yeah, Danielle, I had a really great time. I hope that was helpful. And again, thank you so much to Beth for connecting us because I love meeting new people. For sure. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the women who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, or just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time freedom and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them, and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at alignedchirosurvivalguide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.